0: Today is January 9th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakota, now Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, and the blah, Sutina Nation. Soutina um, Nation. I apologize. Mike. I also acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, non-status. Cross Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Oki. Okay. I'm Mecochiz Chastokom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman given to me in ceremony. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot. I honor the territory that I'm on. I'm grateful to be here, and I think that uh, we need to acknowledge, um, well, land acknowledgements are critical for creating safer spaces for Indigenous, as well as honouring the the host as um, yeah, I am a guest. So, my name is Michelle Robinson. I was born as Michelle Elliott here in Calgary. These are English names which have afforded me a privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene. My Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage le- roots me in the land of the Hare People, also called the Great Bear Lake People in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island and my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area of Klincho Indehay in Satu Dene, meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Any mistakes or misinterpretations are on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down my road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free and open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and uh, available in some Indigenous languages. For the non-Indigenous, there are distress centre lines in your area. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge in support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those that cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your questions or comments. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is also up. So, a lot of stuff has happened since um, we recorded um we i have recorded a really great episode from my mom um and i and great because it's from my point of view uh hard for my husband because ultimately you know talking to my mom is oh, it's it's tough so we're trying to edit it and make it sound good without taking out any substance so you know anything of substance, I should say, and uh, yeah. So look for that. I'm I'm super excited, but I think that's going to be my very first one where if you are not a Patreon account um, member, then you won't actually get to hear it. So this is to encourage people to actually join Patreon. I know a few people have um, had to go because it's New Year's resolutions. So you got to cut some things out. I get it, but for others who are listening, if you want to hear uh, what my mom sounds like, you're gonna have to pay. <laughs> anyway. So uh, what is not funny and is happening right now is the the RCMP uh, went after a checkpoint in BC that, well, what's called BC, the colonial concept of BC. So we actually organized, we as in, I shouldn't say that. I'm going to start that over. I'm going to say that there were a group of activists across not just Canada, but also the U.S. and encouraging international days of action that have been doing hard work at supporting uh, Frida Hudson and all of the people that have been associated with this uh, LNG fracking um, gas line, this pipeline that's coming from Alberta to the town of Kitimat, and it goes through the Witsuten, uh Nation and i'm really you know i'm in i'm in alberta and i know that there are a lot of uh, indigenous in the industry i get it i was one of those people and i was born into it and i didn't i didn't know better and obviously now that i'm a little older and i've seen what the industry does and i know what happened in yellowknife with the diamond mines in my area you know you learn and ultimately with me one of the bigger issues I will always have is um, violence against Indigenous people. Uh, for me personally, this is a root issue of colonialism, a root issue of consent, and a root issue of sovereignty. And whether we're talking about a woman having consent or whether we're talking about a nation consenting to have a pipeline over it, to me, it's one and the same, because the damage hurts deep, and consent is consent is consent. Colonialism is not consent. Nobody asked for Canada to impose themselves over these lands. Nobody asked for the Canadian government to impose their government over these lands. And yet, that's what happened. And we've had, since since that contact, um, hundreds of years of violence. The RCMP, or uh, the Northwest Mounted Police, originally were made to you know, take Indians and put them into Indian reserves that were decided by the Canadian government. So that's why I always talk about my Indian Act and Post status card. So with deep roots of police violence, you know, even for me, I had a really hard time with deciding how we were going to um, talk about this because here in Calgary, especially Calgary, it's, uh, they, they definitely they, the media, would really like to take your words and twist them into the way they want. So one of the biggest um, points that I tried to get out there because in Calgary, they don't understand what um, anti-pipeline means. They just don't get it. So that's why I really focused on the terms of consent and sovereignty. I mean, there's, you know, over a dozen videos out there of us yelling uh, consent and sovereignty. And for those who came late... Maybe they missed a lot of that, but I'll kind of give you a rundown of what happened here in Calgary. So there was a call out when the RCMP was uh, starting to attack the camp and to the checkpoint that um, we start mobilizing. And a lot of people wanted to aim for Tuesday. So there were a few activists that tagged me in a post and uh, I thought we were all working together Um, You know, uh, one had problems with data and others just didn't have a chance to respond. So anyway, I started working with the international crew to make sure that ours was on point. And it was wonderful working with these people because they are really well organized. Uh, They had flyers that I could print off even on my crappy little printer here. And uh, it gave all of the flyer, like our flyers had all the information on there of what it is that we're doing. And of course, it focuses on, you know, our solidarity with the five clans um, and enacting their laws and jurisdiction. And, you know, just to try to talk Canadian, because I know there's a lot of non-Indigenous listening and they don't understand. Um, I was at a meeting this morning. And a fellow was wonderfully supportive to me, very kind, but he still didn't understand because the, you know, Canadian corporate media, to them, they think the Indian Act is legitimate democracy. And that's the number one problem is that they don't realize it's not. Um, There's no... Um, governance to it. There's no real democracy to it. And it was imposed so that Canadians could take the land. It's really that simple. It's embedded in the Canadian constitution so that Canadians can take that land. So I was trying to explain the difference between an Indian Act chief and a hereditary chief. And the Indian Act chief is what the Canadian government will work with for funding. Whereas the hereditary chiefs are the original Indigenous governance for that area. And they are the chiefs that really decide what's happening in that area. And, um, you know, the Canadian media, of course, like to take things out of context and and not really explain colonialism. So the average Canadian doesn't understand colonialism, let alone, you know, stealing land, land theft, and then imposing um, poor governance and then imposing, um, you know, their language, their law on people who... You know, at the end of the day, don't recognize their laws because they have their own way of doing things as they have for thousands of years. So there's that huge disconnect in Canada. And um, my my hope is one day people listening will understand that. So anyway, we have hereditary chiefs who decided that they don't want the pipeline. So to me, it's really simple. You can have 99% uh, consent with the rest of the land, but if there even one point of it where people say no... Consent is consent is consent. I, I can't, like, I I wouldn't allow my my father to forcibly hug my daughter. I don't understand why this is such a difficult concept for Canada. So anyway, the uh, RCMP went in on some court injunction, which is hysterically funny because they never um, impose them when it comes to anybody but First Nations. And there's already um, a presidents to showcase that... Um, hereditary law or hereditary chiefs, their voice actually supersedes Canadian law. And of course, now being in this time of so-called reconciliation, where we are going to recognize the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, it's so painfully obvious that we're breaking, you know, UNDRIP and and there's I mean, a lot of people don't even like the term reconciliation because we have nothing to reconcile. It should be called conciliation because it assumes that you had a good relationship beforehand and there's never been a good relationship. And this just solidified that. So colonial violence by the RCMP, something I will never, ever, ever, ever stand with the government on. A lot of people are saying, well, we need to follow the rule of law. And just a little bit of reminder that Hitler followed the rule of law in order to slaughter all those Jews. So Canada's been doing the same thing here, only because you guys are in charge. You get to write the history books, don't you? So that's where we're at. And um, obviously, in Calgary, it's a really difficult conversation to have because with the Indian Act came imposed poverty. And with imposed poverty, I mean, anybody will do anything to survive, including be a part of the oil and gas industry i mean i just assume that's what everybody does and uh you know obviously now life is a little different for me and i've changed the where i am in in my life but you know i understand that there are some people that just need a job and they need to put food on the table and you know we face um disproportionate amounts of racism so us keeping a job at times is very difficult i know for me since um There's there's been a cook'em scarf campaign for for us women to wear our cook'em scarves. So I make a point of doing it. And I can tell you point blank, I've seen such a change in the um, customer service, the kindness, um, you know, the way people drive aggressively around me. I've seen a huge change. And uh, it's part of the reason why I never decorated my van with anything that was Indigenous. Um, But now I'm getting to that point where I'm too proud to hide who I am and, um, and fit in Canadian, uh, society. And when I need to be me and I'm Dene, that's point blank. I, you can't, you're always native. That's the problem. You're born native. You can be in denial for even decades of who you are, but that doesn't change who you are and it doesn't change your experience in life. And it doesn't change your intergenerational trauma, but it also doesn't change the good DNA that's in your blood too. So that's why those songs do come and that's why the visions do come and that's why ceremony is important. It means different things to different people. I get it. So I went a bit off on a tangent here. <laughs> anyway, I want to go back to um, to what I really want to discuss is the violence against um, this camp and all of the people that were arrested, 14 arrested. Now, um, at this time right now, it is nine and All of the people have been released from the jails, as far as we know. So my hope is, is that, uh, you know, we'll see less violence, but unfortunately, I know there's another checkpoint that they want to take control of. So we will likely see the same people fighting for their lands probably get forcibly removed yet again. And uh, Canada knows its actions are illegal. They've fought for years in court since 1997, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that the Wasutawin people, as represented by their hereditary leaders, had not given up their rights and titles to over 22,000 square kilometers of northern British Columbia. Trans-Canada and the provincial and federal governments are open, openly violating this landmark ruling. And I'm reading directly from the flyer that we gave away because um, it's important that people understand that, you know, we're, we're just people living on our land, and the Canadian government deciding, hey, I need to put a pipeline right through your territory. Um, I'm just going to keep reading here a bit. We stand as witnesses to this historic moment when the federal and provincial governments can choose to follow the uh, principles of reconciliation and respect the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, or respond by perpetrating and entrenching the ongoing legacy of colonialism in canada we demand that the provincial and federal governments uphold their responsibilities to the united Nations declaration on rights of indigenous people and respect the wassutuan law we are now prepared for a protracted struggle the hereditary chiefs of wassutuan and the land defenders are holding the front lines and have no intention of allowing wassutuan sovereignty to be violated in plain language, the threat made by the RCMP to invade these territories is a violation of human rights, a siege, an extension of genocide that they have survived since contact. And this was a quote from Action Alert. So, you know, uh, whether we're talking... Oh, so I should also add there's there's a few different uh, places that you can um, give donations to. So there's um, the Gitteminton... Access Point. They have their own GoFundMe. And then there's the Unistotin Legal Fund. They have their own. So you have lots of places that you can definitely donate to help with um, their legal costs specifically. I mean, it's been ongoing and will continue to go. And unfortunately, it's hard because for me, they don't recognize Indigenous law. And we need them to recognize Indigenous law. It's so simple. But for some reason, Canadians just don't understand that somebody else's law is different than theirs. And I don't know. Here we are. So a little more back to consent. Ultimately, we don't have consent. And... you know, Canadians, you, you're going to have to live with this. You're going to have to live with the amount of para, paramilitary deployment that have come on Indigenous people, generation after generation. You are literally witnessing a new layer of intergenerational trauma. Because for someone like myself, like I know the root of this is here in Calgary. The root of it is at that Trans Canada building. The root of it is is preventable, not just here, but globally. So many places are exploiting lands globally right from Calgary. Even my own territory, uh, they're doing they well, they're trying failing, I would argue at cleanup of the diamond mines and the gold mines that are up there. And their uh, head office is here in Calgary and they're just going to have like a sub um, office up in Yellowknife to run this operation of um, cleanup. So, Like I I tell people there's no such thing as an ethical diamond, and I mean it, because no matter where we go, we ruin the land when we do energy exploration. So um, it's been interesting. Uh, We had our rally. The rally itself, I would say, was an incredible success because up to now, you have to understand the atmosphere in Calgary has been every week there's a pro- uh, yellow vest rally and while they say they're not racist and they say they're all about Canada what they're really for is colonialism but they don't even know it like they don't even know what Canada is they just think they're being proud Canadians and I I understand where they're coming from because I used to live in that world but at the same time what people don't understand is that like if you're doing it at the expense of Indigenous people you are clearly saying you are better than them And for me, like, I can't help but see that racism. But it's a racism that Canadians are so unaware that they even hold and that they value. The fact is, these are Indigenous lands. But they think that all Indigenous are Canadians. But that's not the case at all. Um, Just because we're, you know, born in the boundaries of the new colonial Canada doesn't mean a lot of Indigenous identify as Canadian. They identify as from their nation because this is their land, this is their territory. That's why I do this elaborate uh, Blackfoot, um, well, not just Blackfoot, but Treaty 7 territorial acknowledgement. This is somebody's land that, we, that was taken in order for colonialism and in order for the city of Calgary to even exist. They had to forcibly remove all the buffalo. They forcibly removed all the indigenous. That's how come Calgary exists. And Calgary needs to come to terms with that. Um, I don't, think that's going to happen in my lifetime, but regardless, I'm going to, you know, try to figure out solutions to the situation that we're in until we do. So, you know, for me personally, watching other Indigenous people have to, you know, be forcibly removed by the RCMP, I mean, that ultimately says to me, you and your rights don't matter. Your ability for consent is irrelevant. That's what that says to me as an Indigenous person. And people say, well, what about the rule of law? Well, again, this is a rule of law that was imposed here. This wasn't something anybody agreed to. What does consent mean to you? Because, you know, Trump could come in and say, oh, well, U.S. law applies here today. I'm sure Canadians would lose it. Well, not maybe here in Alberta, but for the most part, proud Canadians should be. Anyway, I guess that was a a rabbit hole I shouldn't have went down, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay let's use another country as an example what if zimbabwe came here and said oh our laws are now this law they're just going to put up a zimbabwe flag and say boom what if it was i don't know australia like yeah we're just going to take this back you know we're this is all just going to be uh the queen Uh, you know you you guys we're not going to even acknowledge the canadian constitution we're just going to go back to british law you know like these things are are possible because you already did it once and i think that's why people are so anti immigration and that's another part and component of this uh, yellow vest movement that i don't understand um all these anti immigration um you know sentiments <laughs> my auntie my stepmom they're immigrants arguably everybody's an immigrant except indigenous people so it, it's really upsetting to me that, you know, there's all of these um, anti-immigration sentiments. Because ultimately, in, even according to Indigenous people, we don't own the land. We, you know, we cherish that land, we take care of the land, we are stewards of that land. That's what we are. And our territories are, yeah, you know, people used to argue over territories. In fact, I um, have heard from the Sutina here in right right in treaty seven here like there's a long history of when the blackfoot had area and when the dene had area and my understanding of dene from what i was taught was that we're migratory people so my people are from are Satu dene my mom came to blackfoot territory or sutina territory and you know navajo are the dene people so it makes sense for there to always be a, a corridor or a pathway that we would be you know, traveling to and from. I've heard Genoa all the way into South America. Of course, I don't know. No, but a lot of that history has been lost, and I'm quite colonized. So, surviving in this stupid colonial world. And oh, I should totally. We should like take Madonna's Material Girl and like change it to like Colonial Girl, and you know, try to decolonize that song. That'd be fun. Well, I'm a nerd. What can I say? Anyway, um. So right now, there's a lot of conversations about what are the next steps. And I know that there's probably going to be another um, violent takedown. Uh, for those who do not know, that the RCMP actually um, cut off all communications. So a lot of the video that we did get were, were things that were um, saved on on like a video camera or something like that because they could just cut off all communications. And that happens to us on a regular basis. That happened in Standing Rock. Uh, it happen, happened dur- during Idle No More. We had problems with our Facebooks and um, electronics in general. Or data would just be erased altogether at Standing Rock. That happened. So somebody would take a video, and if you didn't immediately turn it off, somehow they had the ability to be able to just wipe the uh, phone clean so that those videos wouldn't exist anymore. So these were things that we had experienced before. And we will likely experience again and again. So things to watch for. You know, look for Indigenous media when talking about uh, these issues. Irony, I <laughs> I can't believe the Calgary Herald gave me great press. Uh, there was a really good video in there. And had a great uh, long conversation with uh, Darlene McGuinness of Sutina. And Curtis Left Hand. Uh, running rabbit. He actually, he did our opening prayer for us, which was wonderful. Uh, We had a few different activists come a little later. I, we had Dreezes come out at the end as well. So we had lots of folks that uh, came to support the rally, a lot of non-Indigenous, which really made me happy. I want to say thank you to the allies that were willing to come out. Uh, it was pretty intense at first. When I first got there, the, uh, only people that were there was me and like 50 cops. And I just went over with the cops what was going to happen. And they had uh, like a whole line of cops within the building and a whole bunch of cops that were up on the plus 15. And for those who do not know, here in Calgary, we decided this was a brilliant idea, that we were going to join the buildings to each other by having it like on their second or third floor um, across the streets which is actually pretty funny because, like, it's not interconnected. Some are, but not all buildings, so Calgary's quite its uh, funny little maze of plus 15. Anyway, um, it was super cold, so I was kind of looking at y'all with envy. So all of you that were taking pictures, i i seen your pictures on Twitter, and you were making fun of me and calling me squaw and and saying all the awful nonsense that you could possibly say about, you know, Look at her plastic, uh, whatever. I bet you she drove here. Oh, I've seen it all. Thank you for all your kindness and all your swear words and all your perpetuating racist, ignorant remarks. Seen them all. But I was envious of you up in those nice, warm buildings. I've seen you all looking down at us and, and watching. So, anyway, um, you know, as, as it got bigger the first group of people that came out were actually from the TransCanada building and it was the support oil and gas folks. They all came out with their big uh, shiny signs and their nice shirts and, um, you know, chanting, build that pipe, build that pipe. And um, they outnumbered me at first. So I was completely surrounded by these folks and um, the media set up a scrum and right around me, and right away, the build the pipe people came right behind me and like had their ba- banner and was trying to yell over me, while I answered questions as people asked. And uh, and that was a good video. I think it was on CBC. It was on Calgary Herald. Um, I'm trying to remember if there was another group that we had that. So, oh, APTN got some of that footage as well. So we had uh, a a scrum, and then I turn around. And thank God, I actually had some folks come join me. So we started, obviously, with a prayer, followed protocol. We were given, you know, a strict po- protocol to be peaceful. And uh, totally understand, obviously, this isn't about uh, Calgary. This is that bigger picture of a real solidarity, solidarity action uh, with the wisutuin Twin. And, you know, for, for me, it was really important that we respect them. And we respect the trauma they just went through in order to, you know, try to maintain sovereignty over their lands. So, you know, we started with um, with prayer. Started with a smudge. We had um, a smudge can that went around for the whole time, and I wanted it to burn the whole time because I I was hoping that if we prayed for nonviolence, that we would get nonviolence. And I did an offering the night before and a prayer before, asking for the same thing. So. We, I had done ceremony and um, Curtis started us with a great um, opening prayer. And because they were chanting behind me so loud, um, I actually brought my megaphone for somebody else who requested it. So I said, "Yep, yeah, sure, you can have a megaphone. And um, And that person didn't come until late, late, late. So I was using it just to speak over or just try to talk at all. So we talked about uh, what the Wisutawin are going through and how we're standing in solidarity. I talked about the intergenerational trauma. I talked about, you know, Calgary and specifically TransCanada, which is the root of the um, coastline LNG project. You know, how these people are all interconnected. And I also talked about how violence against indigenous is all interconnected to this painfully obvious. I don't know how people can't see this that you first of all, you took someone's land, you took their food source, you stole their culture, you made them talk your language, you imposed your laws, and um, you throw us in jail disproportionately. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me where, you know, the root violence against Indigenous people are all through colonial violence, but it's still not connecting with Indigenous or non-Indigenous, and I don't understand that. Like, I don't understand how you can't see where all of the um, issues are. I mean, I had men that were absolutely, like, calling me squaw, yelling at me, and I, I finally turned at one point in time and I said, does a woman with a mic just intimidate you that badly? Like, you can't let me speak at all. And that, that's the irony is they think that we've gotten all of the voice when the irony is we've gotten zero of the voice. Even to today, um, you know, I was reading a lot of the reporting that took place from yesterday and today. And because it's all non-Indigenous writers, like they don't get it. They don't understand what's happening. And they write it in such a colonial way that it just perpetuates that racism. So the racism's being perpetuated in the media. It's being perpetuated by people in the industry that don't understand what's going on. Um, you know, and of course they, the media, they, <laughs> um, went out of their way to find, you know, natives who work in the industry, who are loyal to the industry because they're, if they don't work, then, you know, that's their, their living. And so I get it and I understand that, but, you know, that doesn't mean we're all, um, for violence. that That's the bottom line. I'm sure even the, those who are in the industry understand that they're, you know, violence is, is wrong. That is the root problem of everything is violence. You know, using the RCMP as goons. I don't, it, it's really hard for us as Indigenous people. There was a, a meme or, or whatever that went around basically said, you know, it's perfectly acceptable to shoot and kill an Indigenous boy, is referring to Colton Bushy. Um, protecting your land but you don't understand why indigenous people protect their land and i mean we're not even talking about guns these are our elders these are babies these are um every generation in between unarmed nothing but feathers and drums and their traditions and here here they are being forcibly removed by the rcmp so you know the contrast is incredible to me i don't know how you know, a lot of Canadians live with that. And I know I've had somebody who I used to really like and, and he looked at me right in the eye and he said, Michelle, how can you, you know, say that for the nation? Like it needs to go forward. And I just looked at him and I, I couldn't believe it came from him because um, him out of all people, but he is a lawyer. So ultimately he believes in this, uh, you know, rule of law, you know. Um, and it, it's fun, funny watching this because, I think of all the Germans that were like totally cool with Hitler doing what he was doing and being like, "Well, he's following the law, so it must be cool." And I, like, I just wonder at what point will it take for Canadians to realize this is so wrong Like we cannot do this anymore? Um, and we've seen it over whether we're talking, you know, uh, Muskrats Falls or or uh, Sightsee um, Oka, no matter Guffiston, Guffiston Lake. I'm sorry, I totally Williams Lake. you know we we've just seen it over and over and over and over and i know even here in uh treaty seven territory um there was a big horn dam incident that happened that i i don't think a lot of media really um took took part in that but ultimately there there has been so many issues with um with land issues and and energy development and I just don't understand how people live with themselves but then I know where the root is and it's all in you know shareholders and uh you know all about your money 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 because I know that's all that people care about and I'm gonna really enjoy them you know watching them eat their money and um drink their oil when we have no more water and we have no more trees and we have nothing else to have except your your money and your oil you know um this isn't just me making this up you know, um, I'm really sad and disappointed that our education system is so far behind that there's we can't even have a conversation in Calgary about climate change. We can't even have that conversation because we have so many people, evangelicals, that are like, you know, perpetuating flat earth and talking about how there's no such thing as climate change and, um, you know, derailing any kind of positive conversations yet when the science is clear. Uh, just recently shared an article about how there will be no saltwater fish, and this will likely happen in my lifetime. Um, I went to the zoo, Jesus, 15 years ago, and they said that all gorillas and monkeys will be extinct in my lifetime. Um, Rhino, uh, one of the rhino species, just extinct. Um, I, I don't know why people are okay with this. Like, I don't know how erasing the buffalo from all of North America was so cool and acceptable. I just, I will never understand colonialism. I will never understand it. And I, I, it breaks my heart thinking about all of the, you know, natural laws that we're trying to protect here. Um, So anyway, there's conversations about what the future could look like. And I just know here in Calgary, the atmosphere with the yellow jackets is um, one of racism anti-indigenous sentiment, and uh, anti-immigration. And it's just, it's not safe to be even having these conversations. And I think it was really amplified when they had this uh, one young youth, young naive youth, who said, oh, construction workers are are great people, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, well, if there was ever a time for intersectional um, feminism it is right now but the irony is even those women who consider themselves feminists that they just lose that intersectional lens and uh, say the most racist harmful things to indigenous people and well you just i just personally know um allyship is (laughs) like reconciliation it's a it's a word and it's something i'd like to work towards but I just don't know if people will understand in time to save the earth, frankly. I just don't know. Um, One of the books that I have that I really enjoy reading is from uh, Dr. Kevin Taff. And, you know, he he basically has gone out on the industry and said, look, globally, um, every uh, country and policy is moving away from fossil fuels. And that's leaving Alberta incredibly vulnerable. And unfortunately we have these blow hearts who just don't get it, who are gonna be in power again, who worry more about, you know, the freedom party than they do about uh the fact that we are gonna have no industry anyway here and the land will be ruined and there's gonna be all of these um reclamations that need to be done, whether pipeline or, or wells, and nobody's gonna do anything about it. And that's you know what, that's completely overlooking the fact that I'm watching these trains coming in and out of Calgary right now filled with um, dil-bit, uh, diluted bitumen, um, tar sands, some people call it oil sands, but it, it's modified so that it can travel. Anyway, it's incredibly toxic and uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm horrified at the idea of what could happen here in the future if something, something, goes wrong with those rail cars and I mean in the 2011 election our uh, Calgary East had uh, encompassed the train yards there in Inglewood we were talking about train noise and issues then so (laughs) you know here we are 2019 nothing's changed in fact it's just gotten worse so I'm uh I'm very concerned about the state of Calgary and and what is happening. Ultimately, nobody wants to hear Indigenous voices and, and what we have to say. And that's why I think the protest was such a success, so that we had that opportunity to say this is wrong. It is wrong to be talking about immigration in the way you are, but specifically for this particular rally, we were very clear that no consent, no... Um, you know, this is an issue of sovereignty. If somebody says no, if they do not consent, then the answer is no. And they need to work harder to get that yes. And if they never say yes, then you got to figure out a different route. There's just no other way to say it. And I know for, um, the executives in the oil towers right now, they're going, well, but look at this, it costs so much more extra to take it this further south. Sorry, (laughs) you're going to have to take it further south and do this unless you're okay with more colonial violence against Indigenous people, which clearly most of Canada is. They think that the rule of law means it's okay to be this way to Indigenous people. Well, I'm telling you, Canada, if you're okay with that, that's the same mentality the Germans had with letting Hitler do what he had to do to the Jews. So, you know, really... Are you are you sure you want to be on the you know right side of the rule of law? Because I know for me, um, I'm not okay with it. Really want to give a shout out to uh, Cheryl um, from the Green Party. She just released a statement today that banged on all of that. It talked about all of the sovereignty issues, all of the um, consent issues, the colonial violence from the state. You know, <laughs> this is such a no brainer. I I don't think anybody would be okay with the RCMP, you know, forcibly removing a bunch of the people from High River during the flood, even though it may have been in their best interest. That would have been all over the news, but here we are. It's perfectly okay, and that just shows you racism, Canada. You're okay with this? You're racist. Bottom line, there's no nice way to say that. I don't care about what you think. You think you know about Indigenous people. You don't. You don't understand colonialism. You don't understand racism. When you keep saying build that pipe over the violence, like and allowing the RCMP to continue that violence on Indigenous people. You're you are a colonizer. You absolutely have earned the term colonizer. And and proudly chanting. I had one guy who thought he was my friend, and he's like, Oh, you're a troublemaker. And I just thought, fuck you. Fuck you. Because you know what? I'm one of the only people who are willing to say this is wrong. This is a human rights violation. I don't understand how Canadians who think that they care about human rights think they have any right to tell anyone in the world about human rights after what just happened. Because you know why? You don't see Indigenous people as humans. That's what it is. That's why you're okay with that in your head. And that's what's wrong with you. That's why you're a colonizer. So you need to start seeing Indigenous people as people. Because you you don't. You might think you do, but you don't. If your rule of law is so important over human life, you're a colonizer. It's really that simple. So this is where we're at, Canada. There's no reconciliation. (laughs) You you need to start getting and understanding these issues. This land acknowledgement, it's for a reason. It's to teach you. To teach you what land you're on. Because you think you're on Canada, this Alberta, BC, this is all new. It's so new that none of it wasn't even a thing when I was in school. I'm pretty sure we had like, um, you know, Pluto was still a planet. So I just want you to think about your colonizer ways and think about how easy it is to, to dismantle it. Because if I can dismantle it in my head, I'm sure you can too. So I wanted to throw that out just to let people know a little bit about the rally. Um, the pro pipeline people started singing O Canada, and all I could think to do was just take a knee. And uh, I didn't get to see behind me, but apparently everybody else took a knee too. And that meant a lot because I just think that, you know, you have to understand if you're okay with singing O Canada to a hurt group of people that just had the RCMP violently remove them from their lands, that's a problem. I don't know how you could be so cold-hearted. I just don't. I don't understand how you don't give us space to speak. why you gotta yell over us or try like you know when I talk about violence against indigenous women, it yeah, you called me squaw and all sorts of stuff on Twitter whatever that's that's your normal day to day violence is misogyny, racist misogyny, cool. You're going to put that out there. Fine. Fuck you. But it, it's more than that. It was when the uh, Calgary police put this line right in front of me in between me and my crowd that I was talking to and putting me that much closer to the oil and gas people who literally just were seething in hate. You know, they said the most racist, awful things on a regular, screaming it at me, I had to sing over top of that. I had to, um, you know, use my megaphone to try to talk over that. (laughs) And they just kept encroaching, kept encroaching, kept encroaching. They have an Indigenous liaison through the Calgary Police Service, and thank God he was able to redirect them. But he told me that it was constant encroachment, constant encroachment. And those folks, they were allowed to cross the line that we were told we were not allowed to cross. Like, that stuff happened. So it was really interesting to me how um, energy was so protected. One of the protesters that came, she was a really strong Indigenous woman, and she um, she she put on her Facebook page that, um, you know, the seething hate and how awful it was, but how awful it was to see the Calgary Police Service just yuck it up with the uh, pro-oil and gas people. You're all laughing at our pain. You're laughing along with that we're, we're hurting people. We're, we've just watched the RCMP violently take down our you know, last stand on this energy deal. And you're all laughing and calling me squad, telling me to get a job, telling me to go home. I work. <laughs> I am home. I don't understand how you are okay with saying this racist, sexist shit. I don't understand how you grew up So-called, you know, Christian people, you're okay treating people like that. What happened to common respect? Oh, right. We're not human to you. Got it. Thanks, folks. So, yeah, I'm working through this. I'm working through the ugliness of people that, you know, I I want to represent on Twitter. One of the uh, um, retired community members here said something like, oh, well, for somebody who wants to run for council you know, there's a lot of people in her riding that work in the, in the energy industry. And I'm like, well, first and foremost, um, oh, and he said something like, well, at least she has a purple sash. (laughs) What an, what an awful thing to say, first and foremost, because you didn't listen to a damn word I said when I ran, did you? You didn't hear all of the, I was literally, we had a dozen Candidates, I was the only one who had any energy experience, let alone not only have ener- energy experience, but also have a business related to the energy industry, but also have, like, you know, intergenerational industry knowledge. This is the most ignorant thing. I couldn't even believe he said it, but he did because he felt empowered because he's a white guy talking down to an Indigenous woman. Canada, this is your misogynistic racism it is right in front of you and you don't even see it worse you're empowered to perpetuate it like you know we we i i put forward uh through the liberal party um you know hate law bumping up uh, hate laws of course that got knocked down because we all respect the rule of law in other words we're perfectly okay with missing and murdered indigenous women fuck you fuck you because I I know who's sitting in the landfill right now, not together and not properly buried. Because you're okay with this rule of law. I do not know, Canada, how you sleep at night. I don't. I don't know how. You, you're okay with what is happening right here in our backyard. How many missing and murdered Indigenous women right in our backyard? You're okay with that. Not... How many candidates, no freaking clue what the White Goose Flying Report was, no clue what the 94 calls to action are, no clue what the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People is. How can you be a politician and not know these things? How can you stand and talk about sovereignty issues for the farmer? How can you even stand there and and look at Indigenous people and not see us as people? I, I will never understand you, Canada, how you sleep at night. Ultimately, I just hope the Wasutuin people know that here in Calgary, we see it. We we can't always do what we need to do. There's been a lot of lateral violence since, of course, a lot of people attacking me saying I'm not native enough or whatever they think, (laughs) whatever, you know, that's, that's part of this gig. And I, again, I just encourage people, if you really, you know, want to be a part of this, I mean you know, we, you were tagged in posts. you were invited to the event, I went out of my way to invite everybody. Um, it was listed for like, how many days on the on the bigger rally, I don't understand what happened there, that there was such a huge disconnect, that people think it's okay to put people down and not show up on time to rallies and, or, or just not attend at all, like, I don't understand. Um, why there's this uh you know oh you're only metis no i'm not metis and and why is it you're okay with talking down to metis i know why this is all rooted in colonial violence all of it this is all of this trauma that's been imposed on us showcasing itself it's the hurt manifesting itself there's a an expression hurt people hurt people So that's why I just hope you know, if you are one of those people that went out of your way to be laterally violent, I just want you to know I still love you. I will always love you. And even if you hate me, I don't care. When it comes down to it, I'm going to be shoulder to shoulder with you, looking at all of those people who hate and despise us just simply because we're Native. They want all of the resources, all of the stocks, all of the money, all of the exploitation. They don't care what they're raping, whether it's us as a person or whether it's the actual land. They don't care. All they care is their money, 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 money. So this is where we're at. You know, if, uh, if people understand what I'm saying, I'd love to hear from you, um, Indigenous people have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas, whether it's in reports, on podcasts now, <laughs> commissions, and in public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. I'd like you to try to honour our words, try to honour the treaties, listen to politicians and their platforms. If they don't recognise the marginalised people in their budgets, whether it's a Gender Equity Plus or Indigenous Funding, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, know that your party is directly negatively impacting Indigenous people and marginalized people. Demand they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention, or people are experiencing extreme racism and misogyny in the educational and health institutions, with multiple reports that say the same thing. This isn't something I'm making up. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. And if they don't understand colonialism and racism and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all, politi- all parties, all politicians, community organizations, sports, etc. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. And that's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people do not want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, you know, microaggressions every single day, whether it's your, you know, rude to me in traffic, and you probably wouldn't have been if it wasn't for me wearing my cookum scarf, You know, and then there's the people dealing with that internalized racism, people who are gatekeepers, uh, survive off the status quo, people who are really in their trauma and are hurting other people. You know, they just stop people from doing the work. Um, I know there's a lot of activists locally that have experienced so much lateral violence. They don't want to be a part of um, organizing. So that's why I did understand when some people didn't reply. I just didn't expect the after effect of saying, oh, why didn't you? You should have those types of things. Um, I should expect it. I mean, it happens whether it's no matter what we do. (sighs) But thanks a lot, uh, colonialism, for manifesting all this hurt and pain in my own people. So internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And that's why I needed this boundary to be heard. And I just hope my family will be proud in the future when I discuss these issues as they happen. So I also want to explain, um, like, solutions are important to me. I mean, we've talked about the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous People, the 94 Calls to Action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the over 400 recommendations of the Royal Commission of Aboriginal Peoples. But I'm still trying to teach folks, so I do that land acknowledgement in the hopes that people will understand if you want to create uh, warm and inclusive spaces for Indigenous people, you're going to have to start doing that um if you care about reconciliation you need to start doing that but you know indigenous people we're not the only marginalized group of folks so i want to give more solutions and that's why i go out of my way to talk about how to create a safer space for marginalized people you know do something having intention good intentions is not enough so like i'll see people say oh i feel so much pain for what happened in the past save your tears, man. I don't care. Nobody cares. Actually, we need you to do some action. Um, I've been trying to post that more on Facebook and Twitter, that um, action equals ally. So if you're not doing something, then you're actually not being an ally. Um, Take action to make change, speak out against racism, ask questions for uh, for those with more understanding, find allies, and create a support system for yourself so that you can advocate for culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from Indigenous people. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything that you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. And, oh my God, can I tell you, everything that you can possibly say has been said to me in the last... I don't know, 48 hours. Commit to a lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. Just going to talk about that comfort for a bit. I'm sure you've heard me basically say, I don't know how you sleep at night. I don't understand why I'm supposed to make you feel comfortable. Why are you allowed to feel comfortable when my people are being murdered? My people are being missing. My people are being dismembered. My people are being put into um, landfills. My people are being taken um, by the RCMP and arrested after their, you know, nation fought so hard in laws in through the legal system and are recognized uh, through the Canadian legal system, even though it's not our system. Why am I supposed to make you feel comfortable? I've seen a really great um, uh, standard that said don't go out of your way to make people feel comfortable anymore. We are uncomfortable. We're never um, able to just be who we are. You know, whether it's someone at chapters giving me grief, or whether it's someone cutting me off in traffic, or whether it's somebody online calling me a squaw, or somebody from the pro energy industry calling me a squaw. I don't know why you're okay with all those things. I'm not, uh, I'm uncomfortable with it. You should be too. So uh, tone policing, I had, um, you know, a, a racist feminist go after one of my friends. And um, again, it was this tone policing that, well, if you weren't so angry, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, I really hope one day you understand what oppression means because clearly you don't. And clearly you have no right to say to somebody who's hurting those awful racist things. So good on ya. Keep up that shit, I guess, if you uh, want to continue to be a rude, racist colonizer. But why? Like, why would you want to treat your neighbor that way? We're sub, like, reason why I got vo- involved in my community was because I do want to bridge, build, or, um, bridge these two communities together. I want to dismantle these d- stereotypes. I need my daughter to be safe on the streets. Why is this such a hard concept for folks? I would argue everyone wants their daughter to be safe on the streets. And that's what I want. My goal is that your daughter is safe. Why isn't your goal to keep my daughter safe? Why are you okay with talking to a 42-year-old woman that way? I would never speak to a 42-year-old woman that way. Unless, of course, they spoke to me. Obviously, answer back is a bit of a thing for me. I'm going to do that. Um, But I have to. Because I'm tired of making you feel comfortable with you being comfortable hurting other people that's not okay anymore so i just want to say thank you to here to help.bc.ca uh what is indigenous cultural safety and why i should care about it for the resources um lateral violence internalized um racism you know that that's going to happen with indigenous people during rallies and such and just for the record i love you I love all of you, and I know where it's coming from. I know it's, you know, from structural racism that happened to these lands, whether it was through the Indian Act, Indian Residential Schools, other land-clearing policies. Ultimately, we're in this together. Even if you might not want to recognize how Indigenous I am, it should never be like that. I mean, I know a guy who's nook. But because um, Nathan was one of the names that he was given, he was somehow less a nook that's i i I can't have this conversation about how native you are. This is ridiculous um, hats off to you that were you know raised traditionally have um pipe have our our pipe carriers I'm proud of you i'm I honor you I want to promote you but Can you understand that you're hurting the very folks that were taken from their homes from the Canadian government by saying you're not Native enough? There are a lot of lost souls, especially in urban society. um, You know, a lot of 60 scoop kids, that they need your love and understanding. They need your forgiveness. They need your guidance even. So give that guidance rather than putting down people and saying you're not Indian enough. But that's not for... Canadians, that's for us. Canadians, you're the cause of this. I hope you sleep well at night knowing that. Anyway, you can Google, um, internalized racism, uh, Google lateral violence for more information, uh, do's and don'ts for bystander information. (laughs) So funny doing a rally and talking and talking and talking about bystander, um, what to do, And then just not seeing it. I'm sure not seeing it from the cops. (laughs) Yeah. So number one, rule, don't laugh along with the oppressor. Oh, right. You're wearing a uniform. Forgot. If you witness instances of racism, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-ability, anti-indigenous, you know, any form of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment, you know, Someone's yelling at me saying I'm a squaw or yelling at me saying to get a job. Guess what? That's racist. Here's some tips on how to intervene. Make your presence known uh, if possible. Make eye contact with the person being harassed and ask them if they want your support. I literally looked right at a cop when somebody was yelling at me about lighting a smudge and saying that we were, um, you know, smoking pot. (laughs) I couldn't believe it made eye contact right away to be like, fuck that guy. And um, yeah, that's where we're at. Move yourself uh, close to the person being harassed. I'm going to give you a great example of what happened to me at the rally. Um, I was singing and the folks behind me were just encroaching and encroaching. And of course, Calgary police were like, cool. So uh, the allies that actually came started a circle around me. And they didn't do the round dance, which I was grateful of, but they they surrounded me in a circle to give me space. And I thought that was super awesome. Another example was, you know, singing O Canada. I took the knee, they took the knee. And uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful to um, Colin Kaepernick or any black people that are experiencing violence down in the South. But I'm sure, I hope you'll understand as Indigenous people that were trying to, you know, be in solidarity with the Wisutuan on the RCMP attacking them, why it was I took that knee for the, um, for the Canadian anthem. I hope you understand. Um, it just went into my head, so thank you. If it's possible and you are not at risk to do so, then create that distance and that barrier between the person being harassed and the attacker. If it's safe to do so, you know, film the the event and i know i've seen a lot of folks filming what happened there was multiple videos of it out there so i'm saddened to see people take one small snippet of like an aptm video to try to use it against me that's just lateral violence folks it's just lateral violence there's like minutes and well probably hours of me talking about consent and sovereignty why are you not using that you know we should be lifting each other up um so take cues from the person being harassed, you know. Um I, I had to tell uh, a a fo- f a person who was wearing a mask, I I didn't know who they were, but I I just asked them to move um away from the pro energy folks because we were given very strict protocols to be um nonviolent. And I could just tell there was that antagonistic thing going on between them, and I didn't want I just wanted to de-escalate it as much as I could. So um, even for me, even though I was leading and I'm the Indigenous person, I was still trying to de-escalate certain situations that happened. Um, You know, just ask people if they would, you know, do you want me to sit over here? Do you want to move to another train car? Do you want them to leave you alone and follow their lead? Notice if the person being harassed is resisting in their own way and honor that. So thank you folks who took that knee with me. Follow up with the individual being harassed when the incident is over and see if they need anything else. I actually do want to say a a huge thank you to Grant Neufeld for following up after and asking me how I've been doing. And um, you're the only one. I I can honestly say that. Obviously, I'm lucky I got my husband. Um, You know, I have other people who love me in my life who who care about me. Um, But ultimately, I was surprised how many people didn't follow up. But I was happy to see how many people said really kind things. I know for some of the lateral violence I did experience, I can tell you, I've seen a lot more love from a lot of the, especially Indigenous women. Um, you know, no problem giving that out. Curtis left hand, no problem giving out that love. And I just appreciate that with all my heart. And um, I lift you, I raise my, my gratitude to you, my hands in gratitude, and just say thank you. Masi Cho. Masi Cho for your love and uh, for standing with me um, there was a fellow who, um, who spoke and I don't know if he wants me to say it because he also told me that it was another family story, but he talked about what it's like being evacuated when there's uh like a, a pipeline explosion. And it was, it was really, it emphasized the point of what we're doing about the importance of uh, the Wasutuan standing in front of that energy development. But it also, you know, it was, a bit Of a wake up call to me, well, not a way, a trigger maybe is the better word. Um, I used to draft wells and pipelines, and um, one of the things that we used to also make was not just the access map of how to get to the pipeline and to the well site, but also um, an emergency evacuation zone map. So, you know, it's a radius map that shows, you know, wh- who is what dwellings are within <laughs> certain radiuses in case there is an explosion. And, um, you know, I always worked in the township and range system and I know we had a Canadian land surveyor who worked with the Indian reserves, but I know just from what I had seen how, um, the dwellings aren't really properly reflective of what the situation is on res and also the numbers aren't necessarily reflective. I mean, these were white people and we may have had the wrong names and numbers, so I'm sure the industry's changed a bit too since I've been out of it. Anyway, um... Do what you can to keep everybody safe. Pull others in if you can. Work as a team. It's a good idea. And uh, g- can you just move to a safer space? <laughs> Don't call the police unless somebody asks you to. Even for me, I um I did reach out to the police right away when I knew we were going to be doing this rally because I I know the atmosphere in Calgary, and they're having um, you know energy funded rallies every week here and energy pays for all of these, you know, wonderful signs that they have, you know, we always pay out of pocket, you'll see our signs made on like a, a box that somebody just opened with a black marker, you know, the, it's night and day, people called, uh, were yelling at me that I was being funded by George Soros, I should, um, you know, give you my Patreon account, because I can promise you I'm not getting paid for um, George Soros, man, I wish I was. My husband joked with me after and said, this whole time, where's the, where's this account that you have all this money in? <laughs> anyway, call the police if if you're asked to. And in my case, I felt very comfortable calling the Indigenous liaison because he knows how to talk to the event coordinator. And, um, you know, shout out to the Calgary police who tried to... Uh, you know, have a nice relationship with me at the start. And uh yeah. Afterwards I was lucky enough to have coffee with uh the Aboriginal liaison and we talked about, you know, what improvements could be done or whichever. So well and we talked a little bit about the yellow vest movement as well. And I'm just uh yeah, I don't I I wanna respect the protocol and know that we're supposed to be nonviolent and uh and also not just do self care as one of the other activists internationally said, but also um we have to follow what the Wusutuan want. So I'm sure within the next few days there will be a call to action from them and we will listen and we will follow that. And um like it to me it it's I come I, I have a privilege to be able to do that and I, I'm honored to do that. And it's a calling. It it's like you if you if your your auntie asks you to do something of course you do it right um anyway I just uh I want the f- the folks that were directly impacted to know how um you know your videos that you've put out there um specifically that have shown Frida talking about what happened when she was in the healing uh lodge trying to help other people and trying to do self-care while the RCMP are descending on our people and there was another one and I want to say um, you know maybe they don't want to be named but their you know, daughter was in there and and the elders are in there and it like this is a community that's being descended upon a peaceful community that's trying to heal from you know intergenerational colonialism and I just can't believe that people like cheer sing O oh Canada, sleep at night, are proud of this. And, and the rhetoric is so awful. I mean, you know, the newspapers are saying that we have a good economy, that the, you know, unemployment rate is low, and yet people are, are losing it on Indigenous folk, just losing it, you know, thinking it's okay to be racist and scream at us and uh, knowing that we're hurting because of what the RCMP just did to our people. So listen for that and hopefully we'll, um, have something new to report soon. And, uh, my next podcast will probably be a Patreon account. So if you, uh, want to hear my mom and the way she speaks, I really suggest you tune. you consider going to my Patreon account. Uh, silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support. It was really interesting being in that position of the rally, of being um, in between the police and the group, and how many folks were afraid to come up to the the megaphone. I was surprised. Um, But I I am really proud of the people who came, uh, whether you're an ally or whether you're Indigenous, and of course really proud of um Darlene uh, McGinnis for speaking out the way she did on the megaphone um we had many people take the mic and they when they spoke it was powerful and I appreciate that If you're experiencing any emotional distress and want to talk First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness line is uh 1-855-242-3310 it's open up 24 hours a day 7 days a week and is toll free Uh, to non-Indigenous, don't hesitate to contact the distress center. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, of what strength looks like through your example. I want to say thank you to my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt and answer back. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through your Austrian roots and stepping up and teaching me how to be a proud Calgarian. And it's through you. I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. want to say thank you to my husband Darcy for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband my childhood friend the father of our child and support down my journey of the red road he's witnessed decades of racism and sexism Um, yeah he was a really great help at the rally to just to be witness to the insanity that that was Um, and to our child who we are blessed to learn from every day we are honored you chose us you give me daily accountability to be a stronger better person My Patreon account is Native Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Ashley and Beatrice and Diana. I want to say thank you to Joni and to Judy and to Kenna, Matt, Nancy, Nathan, Sharon, The Sprawl, Tiffany, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up and for constantly supporting me. Almost every one of those people I know um, personally, and I know that you've always been a great ally I know there was a lot of people that wanted to go to that rally and couldn't be there, whether you were Indigenous or non-Indigenous or whether you were in the industry and too afraid to come. I get it. And um, I just want you to know I love you all. So if you value listening and can afford to give, thank you to those who cannot afford to give but listen in. I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc@gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. We are now on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is also up where you can share with your friends and your family.